You're listening to Call of the Herald, book one of the Dawning of Power trilogy, a podcast novel written and read by Brian Rathbone. For more information and additional downloads, visit brianrathbone.com. Thank you for listening. If she did not learn to control her outbursts, it might kill her and everyone around her. It was an uncomfortable feeling, and it put Katrin on edge. Her mind whirled with questions and only a handful of answers, and those answers only spawned more questions. Trying to calm herself, she sat down and closed her eyes. Fears and anxieties cluttered her mind and prevented coherent thought. Are you all right, little miss? Benjen asked. I have too many thoughts in my head to concentrate on anything, because other thoughts keep pushing themselves into my mind. It's frustrating, and I don't like it at all. I understand, he said with a slight nod of his head. Let me try to help. There are many techniques you can use to quiet your mind and get a clearer view. Would you like me to teach you some of what I know? Yes, please. Would you? Katrin replied. Benjen told them all to sit in a circle around the fire, directing Katrin to sit directly across from him. Sitting with his legs crossed and his arms relaxed, he put his hands on his knees, palms facing up. The others followed his example. Close your eyes and concentrate on slow, steady breaths to the count of seven. Breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Keep your eyes closed and relax your muscles, he said, watching them. You need to relax a little bit more, little miss. You're as rigid as stone. On every exhale, concentrate on your muscles becoming looser. Katrin tried to calm herself, but the harder she tried, the more tense she became and she grew angry with herself for not even being able to relax properly. How could she ever hope to control her power if she could not even control her own state of mind? Realizing her fists were tightly clenched, she opened her eyes with a frustrated sigh. The others still had their eyes closed and looked relaxed. Benjen's eyes met hers. Perhaps we should try another technique that can be useful when your mind refuses to be quiet. When our heads are full of thoughts, it can be nearly impossible to suppress them. It's often better to deal with each thought individually as they come to you. Not all of them are pleasant, but we have to learn to accept them. They are a part of us. We should deal with them and try to understand them, but at the very least, we should accept them. I want to teach you an ancient exercise. First, close your eyes and begin your breathing again. When a thought comes to you, grab onto it and accept it. Recognize it as your own and try to understand why you are thinking it. Picture it as a small ball of energy. Hold your hands out and cup that energy in your palms. Examine the energy and analyze it until you come to know it. When you are comfortable thinking about it, take a deep breath, and when you exhale, 
Release that energy into the universe. Your thoughts are your own, but your pain and suffering can be eased when you let the universe help, and your joy and happiness can be shared with the whole of existence. Your hope can go to every part of creation. By sending out your thoughts, you will feel less alone with your feelings. You can help others find their happiness, and you will receive help dealing with your troubles. Katrin was surprised by his philosophical words. She had never heard him speak that way, even in his previous lessons about meditation. She tried to concentrate on taking his advice rather than analyzing it, but concentrating was a challenge. Breathing deeply, searching for the calm within the violent storm of her thoughts and emotions, she became detached from the world, transported to a place of her own making that was comforting yet unfamiliar. Letting the thoughts swirl around her for a moment, she tried to find her center and braced herself for the onslaught. A feeling of anger and betrayal flashed into her consciousness. It was hot and painful, and further images of anguish and pain came to the fore. She remembered the townie's abuse of her and her friends. Visions of the attack on Osborne played through her mind. Then her dreamlike vision moved on to another scene, the townspeople, challenging her father and accusing her of being a witch. Images of the invading army hammered her until she almost lost her focus. After a deep breath, she accepted the anger that was part of her. Releasing the thought as she exhaled, she blew it away from her. While floating between thoughts for a moment, she was surprised by the lull in the maelstrom of her consciousness. She felt a great release from the thoughts she had accepted. She chose to persist, believing she was ready for the next thought. It did not take long before it drifted in from somewhere in the back of her mind. This was a warm, comforting image, however, and it felt secure and safe. She realized that thought was Benjamin. She envisioned him with his salt-and-pepper beard, his long black hair with streaks of gray pulled back with a leather thong. She saw his strong features and muscular build. Pouring herself into the meditation, she concentrated on that thought, building it up for a huge release. She felt great gratitude to Benjamin for protecting her, for being her friend and mentor and for caring so much for her. She let the thought expand to include all those around her, then to all those she had left behind. To all who had ever been kind to her, she let out this thought as a gift of thanks. With her next exhale, she let it pour from her. Katrin floated blissfully above her consciousness having expressed a massive, gratifying, and unexplainably beautiful release of tension. Your minds have become very quiet now, Benjamin said in a low, rhythmic voice, hardly more than a whisper. Focus your consciousness. I want you to picture a strawberry. Focus on the details rather than the whole. Envision the colors and textures. Picture the seeds and leaves until every detail is complete. Katrin heard his words somewhere in her mind, and she tried to comply. 
she began to visualize the strawberry, and soon she tasted the sweetness of the freshly picked fruit, strawberry jam, and strawberry rhubarb pie. All her memories of strawberries permeated the thought, but she was brought out of her meditation by the sound of Chase laughing and talking excitedly. That was great, I'm telling you. I could actually taste strawberries. And strawberry jam, Osborne added. I tasted pie, Strom said with a grin. Hey, cat, do you remember the time you tried to shove strawberries up my nose? Chase asked, and Katrin laughed. She'd been thinking about the same thing. Did any of you experience anything else? Benjamin asked. When we first started, I felt angry, Osborne said. I remembered the way I was attacked and the way Katrin was treated. I felt a lot like that too, Chase said. But then I got to thinking about how Benjamin has protected us and kept us safe. And then I felt I was a protector too. Me too, Strom added, and Osborne nodded. Katrin sat back, wondering if it was all coincidence. Could they all have been thinking the exact same things? Benjamin met her eyes. I didn't want to say anything without some confirmation, but Katrin's powers are beginning to manifest in different ways, he said. During your meditation, I could actually see the energy above Katrin's palms. It's difficult to describe. It shifted and moved. But I got a general sense of what she was thinking. It seems she was able to influence our thoughts. She can control people's minds? Osborne asked, his face pale. I don't think she has any control over our thoughts or any way to read them. It does seem, however, that she can project her emotions to those around her, Benjamin said. I didn't try to make you think those things, Katrin objected. Those were the things I was thinking about, but I just concentrated real hard on them. That's all. I wasn't trying to influence your thoughts. Honest. Her voice was practically pleading now. And I'd never try to read your minds. Sometimes I can sense people's emotions, but I don't even do that intentionally. We know you wouldn't do anything like that on purpose, Chase said. You should guard your thoughts more closely from now on, though. Try not to concentrate that hard on anything you want kept secret. Well said, Benjamin said. I need to see this for myself, Katrin said. I'm going to try to do it again. Benjamin did not discourage her, and the others looked as if they wanted to see it. So she took a deep breath and centered herself. The excitement made the meditation as difficult as her previous frustration had but she closed her eyes and concentrated. This was important. This was an opportunity to learn something about her powers, a chance to take control of her life. Hope, excitement, and curiosity were predominant in her thoughts, and she focused on them. Look now, Chase whispered. It nearly cost Katrin her concentration, and she kept her eyes closed until she regained her focus. Slowly, she opened them. The light was almost blinding, 
she could see a ball of energy floating above her cupped palms. Like a shimmering jewel with countless facets, it was exquisite. It spun and danced in her hands, constantly changing. The more excited and fascinated she became, the larger and brighter it grew. When she could no longer contain it, she tossed it into the night sky, where it burst into a cloud of twinkling lights no larger than a grain of sand. They dimmed and disappeared before reaching the ground, but the air was charged with excitement. That was amazing, Chase said. I'd have to agree, Benjen added. Katrin's mind raced with possibilities and questions. What else could she do with her powers? What other abilities might she stumble on? The thoughts were as terrifying as they were exhilarating. Even after she retired to her bedroll, she lay staring up at the stars, hoping whatever power she found next would not destroy anything or kill anyone. Chapter 15 Bonds of blood are sacred and immutable. King Venice of the Elsix. Katrin woke during the night and decided to relieve Benjen from his watch. She figured it would be best if he were the one rested for the next part of their journey. Pulling her coverlet around her shoulders, she wandered past the glowing coals of the fire. She found Chase in Benjen's stead. He smiled at her. Couldn't sleep? I slept great, actually. I just woke up for some reason. Not sure why. How long ago did you relieve Benjen? Not long ago. I'm awake and alert. I'll take the rest of the watch. Get some more sleep. You'll probably need it, he said. Katrin was glad to take him up on his advice. Her sleeping spot had gone cold and she shivered, but soon she slept again. Chase woke them during the false dawn. Katrin felt she had closed her eyes only moments before, and they were still clouded with sleep. Their routine well-practiced, they broke camp in record time, and Katrin slowly recovered from her disorientation. Wanting to cover as much ground as possible while the air was still cool, they set off without delay. Katrin set a moderate pace for Osborne's sake, since he was still experiencing headaches and shortness of breath. His condition troubled her, but they had to keep moving. Benjen did what he could to ease Osborne's afflictions using the few medicinal herbs he still had left, and Katrin hoped it would be enough. The broad valley morphed into rolling hills and as they crested a steep rise, Katrin caught sight of what lay ahead. The rising sun cast a myriad of colors across the sky and the desert below. The horizon was a lush canvas of texture and color, pastels and blush highlighted with hues of violet. Waves of sand appeared almost fluid, lapping against a meandering shoreline. The relative flatness stretched into the distance, the horizon broken only by distant, shadowy mountains. The sheer size and deceptive beauty of the desert cast an intimidating pall on those who viewed it. 
Katrin had never been away from the mountains before. Realizing the feeling of security they had always given her, she was glad they would follow the mountains for much of their journey. Do not let its beauty fool you, Benjen said. The desert is deadly. We'll be skirting it for some time, and though the mountains will give us some cover and possible storm shelter, we won't be immune to its dangers. Keep watch on the horizons, and be alert for storms or large clouds of dust. At the mouth of the valley, they turned north, following the narrow band of lightly forested grasslands that huddled between stone and sand like an emerald river. The air above the desert shimmered in the heat of the morning sun, and they moved along in relative silence to conserve their energy. They drank sparingly from their flasks, knowing they could run out before they escaped this arid landscape. Katrin let Benjen lead and found herself walking in a trance. Part of her mind watching where she was going, but another part deep in thought. She tried the technique of clearing her mind that Benjen had taught her, but she could not focus, and she wandered from thought to thought, seemingly at random. The deluge of thoughts flowed past her consciousness, and she let them skirt her awareness, creating an odd transitional state of mind. She became aware of a curious hum, like background noise in her head, a buzzing that seemed to be just behind her ears. She tried to focus on it, but it stayed at the edge of her senses, elusive and indefinable. Taking a different approach, she tried to specifically not think about it and concentrate on something else. No matter how hard she tried to ignore it, though, the humming crept along the edges of her senses, tickling her awareness. She tried to evoke powerful memories and the emotions they brought, hoping to overpower the distraction. She called up the vivid memory of her first kiss, and the buzzing pounded into her thoughts. Grasping it with her mind, she latched onto it with all the focus she could muster. Her body thrummed in the powerful chorus, a lilting melody that ebbed to a mere whisper only to resound again insistently. Concentrating on hearing alone seemed insufficient to perceive the energy, and she split her focus to include the vibrations she felt. At this point, she began to experience it in a completely new way. The energy took shape and form, though its form continuously shifted like the surface of a lake. Fragrances overlaid her other senses, and even the taste of the air colored her mental imagery. After tripping on a gnarled tree root, Katrin caught herself on the trunk. Her palms slammed into the bark, and she was overwhelmed by the impression of the tree. Vitality and strength flowed through the physical bond like a torrent of life. The tree exuded ancient wisdom and lack of cares. It existed simply and simply existed. It did no right or wrong made no mistakes, had no opinions. It was beyond reproach and indifferent to criticism. Katrin was comforted by its energy and felt a calm wash over her. Chase stumbled into her back, 
jarring her from her mental state. Sorry, Cat, Chase said. I didn't realize you stopped. My fault. I wasn't watching where I was going, she explained, not wanting to discuss her experience until she understood it better. After her shocking contact with the tree, Katrin had a better idea of what to expect and how to interpret what she felt, and she began to sort through her perceptions of the various energies around her. Everything she saw had its own pattern, its own unique energy. Her companions, the trees, grass, mountains, and especially the desert. She was surprised to find so much life energy within the desolation of the desert. Her senses skated along the sands. She didn't know what all the energies were, but she knew they existed. The auras surrounding her companions were storms of emotional energy, which gave her a strong sense of their moods. She had always been sensitive to people's feelings and tried always to ascertain people's mental states in order to understand them. Posture, stance, and movements were all indicators, but none had ever given her such clear insight as she had now. Oddly, her new sense felt completely natural, as if it had always been a part of her, latent, waiting to be recognized and used. But it was also a burden. It made the fear and anxiety surrounding her companions almost palpable and impossible to ignore. Devoid of any means to assuage their fears, she simply accepted them and let them be. A vibrant burst of energy off to her right caught her attention. It burned with life. She used her eyes to identify the source and saw an emerald hummingbird visiting the flowers of a trumpet vine. As if sensing her scrutiny, it flew in front of her face and hovered there. After a brief moment, it chirped, backed up, and darted into the azure sky. Katrin's impression of the hummingbird, vibrant and alive, stayed with her, its bold curiosity refreshing. The more she used her new life sense, the easier and more natural it became. She found that, after a while, she could sense it without focusing on it, though it was most intense when she concentrated, just as she could hear without consciously listening. New sensations invigorated her, as if feeling a cool breeze on her face for the first time, and she was exuberant. Another small life force moved nearby and she was surprised to see a honeybee. It did not seem angry or aggressive, as she had always perceived stinging insects. It was just going about the business of being a honeybee. There was an abundance of life in the soil itself, including things too small to be seen. Katrin saw the ways death served to feed life. Deciduous trees shed leaves which fell to the ground and decomposed. Organisms that used the decaying leaves as food aided the decomposition. Their waste and the decayed matter became soil, which, in turn, nourished the trees and plants. Katrin had never recognized the chain of life as a varying cycle of composition and decomposition before, and such realizations were rapidly changing her perception of the world around her.
nature in all its majesty and glory was beginning to be revealed to Catherine through senses she had not been aware of before. For the first time, she saw the ecosystem as a unit and saw how each part of the system contributed to the whole. Without any one component, life could fail. Predators could not exist without prey, and herbivores would die without plants, and plants would shrivel without materials provided by the death and defecation of animals. When she considered how many factors had to be in place for life to endure, she was amazed it existed at all, and yet it flourished, even in the harshest of environments. Simply astounding. Involved in her thoughts, Katrin was surprised when Benjamin selected a place to camp. Most of the day's hike was a blur to her, and she had to reorient herself with the landscape. The mountains cast long shadows over the grassland as the sun set. The air cooled quickly, and it was almost chilly by twilight. The campsite Benjamin selected backed up against the rock face. Although a few trees dotted the area, they were weathered and twisted. It was not much cover, but it was certainly better than the open desert. I've been thinking about what Osborne said about an ambush, Benjamin said as they ate. If there's a trap, I think it would be best to spring it without Katrin with us, he continued. There shouldn't be many places for the Jean to hide near the cove. And if I make it that far without seeing anyone, Katrin cut in. So your plan is to go into an ambush. Alone. Without me. Now, Katrin, please understand, it's to protect you, he began. But Katrin silenced him with a look. He clamped his mouth shut his eyes down, and waited silently. Katrin knew she was being unreasonable, but the thought of him walking into an ambush was horrifying. Some other option must exist, one without Benjamin as bait. No one spoke until Benjamin drew a breath, but Katrin cut him short again. You'll think of another plan, she said with a sharp nod. Our only recourse cannot be a suicide mission for any of us. I will not accept that. Why, yes, of course, there must be a better way, Benjamin replied without looking at her. Katrin looked out into the night, terrified by the thought of being without Benjamin. He made her feel safe. Without looking at the others, she went to her bedroll. She knew her anger was driven by fear, and that was the only way she could hide it. Now what do we do? Chase asked once it appeared Katrin was truly asleep. For now, we just have to keep moving toward the cove, Benjamin said. We have few other options. Maybe... You and I should leave now and scout the way, Chase said. I don't like that idea at all, Strom said. There has to be something we can do, Chase insisted, his own desperation driven by fear. 
survival almost seemed too much to hope for, given the circumstances. When we get closer, Benjamin said, we can sneak away to spring the trap. We'll speak of it no more until then. Catherine won't like it, but it's what's best for her. And what then? Strom asked, anger clear in his voice. You go off and spring the trap and die, and what happens then? Katrin, Osborne, and I go off and fight the world? Cat's right. You're both being idiots. Should we run through the desert to see if it's hot? No. He paused a moment to return the stares currently aimed at him. When we get close, we watch and we wait. If we're clever enough, we'll see some signs of activity before they see us. I'm not sure what we do from there, but that's a far cry better than running in there and jumping around like a couple of idiots with torches and getting yourselves skewered. There was a long moment of silence when Strom finished speaking. He crossed his arms and dared anyone to challenge him. Nobody said we were going to go running in there, Chase said, slightly downcast. Strom glared at him. Especially not jumping around with torches, Benjamin added. That concludes this episode of Call of the Herald. For more information and additional downloads, visit brianrathbone.com. Thank you for listening.